We were born to shine, amen? Imagine that voice, it's tremendous, and to have the Lord singing over you that way. That's what he's singing over you with that glorious, glorious voice. Jonathan, you have an amazing voice, but I imagine God has a voice that's... (laughs) Amen. Amen. Oh, the love of God is rich here this morning. And, And Jonathan, what a tremendous testimony. He had an amazing career as an opera singer in Italy and throughout Europe. And uh, to give it up to follow Jesus, and God has mysterious ways because you'd wonder why Cleveland, Ohio would be in your path, but it was the place of restoration for your life and your family and and the next level of where God's bringing you. I don't know what your Cleveland is, uh, (laughs) but you need to obey. That was the word this morning, and sometimes it's an awkward word to leave what seems to be your best effort into something that seems to be so minute, but with God, it's so important. You remember Philip when he was in revival in Samaria and God said, go to a desert and talk to one man. Lord, I've got a crowd here. I've I've made the big time. We got revival. It's about obedience, isn't it? And the gospel was brought to Ethiopia because of one man that Philip spoke to. This morning I want to speak to you about servant leadership. We're in 1 Peter. Please turn to 1 Peter chapter 5. And let's continue. This message is to pastors and elders, and you would say, well, that doesn't refer to me. It is specifically to pastors and elders, but it's important for you to understand that everybody here is a shepherd in some sort. And as What I want as a pastor is I want to pastor you and shepherd you as a flock of people that are shepherds yourselves. Christians are to develop into leaders. Every Christian is a leader. You're to lead the lost to the Savior. Uh, You're a parent. You're to lead spiritual children into the way of the Lord. And so that's our goal, that everybody here, I pray that C3 is a shepherding church, that you learn to shepherd other people. So I want to teach you about shepherding God's flock, and I want you to pay attention to that. We start at 1 Peter chapter 5. Lord, help us understand and discern your word. Amen. Verse 1, So I exhort the elders among you as a fellow elder and a witness of the suffering of Christ, as well as a partaker in the glory that is going to be revealed. Shepherd the flock of God that is among you, exercising oversight, not under compulsion, but willingly, as God would have you, not for shameful gain, but eagerly, not domineering over those in your charge, but being examples to the flock. So, Peter is calling those elders to become shepherds over the flock. The word elder in the Greek is presbytos, and the presbytos is an overseer, a better word is shepherd. And uh, we get the concept of a pastor from this word presbytos because its etymology became uh, the elders was uh, shortened from presbytos when they would speak in the Greek, the presbytos, they'd call them presters. And you can imagine what prester eventually became, didn't it? The prester became the pastor. 
And so it was the presbyter, it was the shepherd, it was the overseer, and the concept of having elders and deacons in the church comes from the ancient Hebrew synagogue and the elders that Moses was, uh, Jethro told Moses to assign elders uh, to the uh, families uh, of Israel, to the, ten, the 12 tribes, and, and so we get this concept being brought into the church of shepherds and overseers, presbyters, presters, pastors. Men, you're pastors of your home. Everybody here is a pastor or a shepherd over a flock. It could be a child, it could be a neighbor, it could be a friend, but you're to lead people in the way of the Lord. And he says this, that as shepherds, he says that I want you to feed my flock. In verse 2 he says, shepherd the flock. Now, it's an interesting Greek word for shepherd the flock. Because that same Greek word, shepherd the flock, and Peter is giving this advice to pastors, to leaders, he says this, I want you to shepherd the flock, but in the the Greek, the same word for shepherd is feed. And so Peter's saying to the leaders, to those who will oversee the people of God, I want you to feed my sheep. Now that's a very important statement from Peter because if you'll echo from Peter's past, he heard that word once before, didn't he? He was given that command. It was an early morning. He was out fishing with his uh, other buddies out in a boat and they didn't catch anything all night. And uh, it was after Christ had risen from the dead and where were they? Out on a lake fishing. And that's not where they were supposed to be. Uh, They weren't to be fishers of fish. They were to become fishers of men, but they went, when you do so often not knowing what to do, you go back to the familiar, don't you? And so they went back to the familiar. I could see this, and it describes those who were in the boat, and I would have loved to have seen this scene because you've got Doubting Thomas sitting in that boat who was not a fisherman. You've got Nathaniel who was a nobleman sitting in a smelly, fishy boat, and you've got the other fishermen, John and, and James and Peter and Andrew, and they're fishing, and they're frustrated because they're not catching anything, and it's been all night long, and it's morning, and they're coming back in. I knew we'd never catch fish, said Thomas. I can imagine Nathaniel is like, man, this makes my robes stink. And they're just trying to figure out what to do, and Peter sees someone on the shore, and they see a fire, and they see fish cooking, and Peter immediately realizes it's Jesus, and he dives off the boat and runs in while the others are finding their way back into the shoreline, and it's Jesus, and Jesus has them come together. Now, Jesus had appeared to Peter, it says in Galatians, that, that he had restored Peter, and he, this is part of that process of restoration, and they're on the beach, and to cut the story short, Jesus says to Peter, Peter, do you love me? Do you agape me? And Peter says, Lord, you know I filio you. I love you as a brother. And Jesus says, tend to my lambs. He asks him another time, a second time, Peter, do you agape me? And Peter says, yes, Lord, I filio you. A lesser form of love. He's feeling conviction. And he says this statement, feed my sheep. He then asks him a third time, Peter, do you filio me? And it says that Peter recognizes. Peter says, oh, Lord, you know all things. And he says, I love you. And he says, 
tend to my sheep. So this statement was given to Peter, and Peter is now handing it on to other shepherds that he's writing throughout the world, to other leaders, and he's saying, one thing you must do is you must feed, you must tend to the flock of God. Now you may have messed up, you may have failed, you may have denied, you may have done anything. Peter knows what it is, but God restored his ministry to Peter. How many of you have ever felt that wonderful sense of restoration by God? How many of you have ever failed God and you've known it and you've been restored and God says, yes, I'll use you? Could you imagine if Jesus ran the kingdom like a CEO in different companies where you messed up, you're fired. Get out of here. I don't want to see you. Take your stuff, go. Shouldn't I put in my two weeks notice? No. But that's not Christ. Christ works with us. Even those who have failed miserably, God restores in ministry. Because first of all, He knows all of our condition is pretty bad. And it's but by the grace of God we stand and our God is a restorer. And He says to the pastors, feed my sheep, feed my sheep. Now to feed sheep, you have to bring them to green pastures. And when you feed sheep, you need to bring them to new pastures as well. A good pastor, a good leader. Consider this for your household. Consider this for who you're training at work, whoever you're talking to. Don't give them the same stories. Don't give them the same messages. Lead them to new and greener pastures. Take them higher. Folks, your job's not done just because you witnessed to someone and got them saved. Feed them. The Great Commission is to make disciples. So we're to feed people and make disciples and train them and take them to new pastures and new levels. Sometimes I teach things and teach series and sermons. I don't like that one. It's time for you to chew on some new grass and taste something new. Go to a different level. Try different things. I'm always trying to expose you to concepts and ideas in the kingdom of God that may not be comfortable for you, but it's a new pasture. And we have to be ready, and as a people, a shepherd has to lead his people into green pastures. I've known pastors that recycle their their sermons and recycle what they've been feeding people over and over. And it's it's you need to feed the flock. Feed. Your kids understand this. Meatloaf again? So come on, he says, feed my sheep. Shepherds, feed the flock of God that is among you, exercising oversight. So lead them. Oversee them. Know what's going on. Know what they need. Psalm 23 would be very appropriate now. Thy rod and thy staff comfort me, right? My head is anointed with oil. You comfort, you check them for chicks and tiggers and... Uh, tiggers? Chiggers. Tiggers are from Winnie the Pooh. I don't know if you know Winnie the Pooh, but that's, uh, that one might go over you, okay. But you have to be among the people. You have to exercise oversight, not under compulsion, he says. To have Oversight, not under compulsion, but willingly as God would have you. So the, the other point to being a pastor, an elder, a shepherd, is it's a calling. 
Now, some people have this calling and they do it grudgingly. It's the difference between having to and wanting to. I have to do this. This is my job. You know, what happened with Christianity and the church is uh, churches stopped training up pastors within them and they began to have seminaries and people could now go to colleges and schools to become professional clergy. And when everybody became professional clergy, it became a career. And you actually have people who are unsaved in the career of pastoring. And this is what's happened to the church. You see so many churches failing because of what's going on in our day. And you see the the testimony of the witness of the Word of God failing because you have people in the pulpit who are career professionals and don't have a calling to minister. And so they they buy or they bring processed food to the flock. But he says, not, don't do this under compulsion, don't do this because you have to, but do it because you want to. And if you've been a pastor for more than a year or two, that, that want to, uh, that, that, that compulsion is, well, I, I don't have any other money coming in, I don't have any other way to do it, I have to do this, uh, 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 I, I, this is my only career, and, and you begin doing it because it's a job. But God wants us to do it because he wants us to. Because we have a desire to honor God and we love the ministry of feeding the sheep. That's what he wants. He says this. He says that it's not what you can get out of it, but what you can put into it. It's a calling instead of a chore. It's a privilege that God has assigned you to. And if you're not called to pastor, you won't last long. Because sheep bite. Just saying. They're smelly too, so. He goes on to say, and he says, don't do it for shameful gain, but eagerly, eagerly minister. And like I said, it gets to a place where you struggle in this, you're working with people. You had no idea that you were going to become a psychologist, a sex therapist, a marriage expert, uh, a a demon deliverer, uh, um, a a children's pastor, a teen pastor. You, You had no idea you were going to do all these things. That's the same way in parenting, right? I wanted to have a kid. I didn't know I was going to have all this other stuff too. But you don't quit on parenting. Son, you're fired. Imagine that, firing your kids. I don't want to do this anymore. He says, don't do it for shameful gain. And so many are pressured into the place where that's all they got left as any kind of motivation is the finance. But as most pastors find out, that's not much of a (laughs) motivation because there really is no money in it. But he says, do it eagerly. Alacrity, it's a new word I learned today. Anybody ever heard of this word, alacrity? I didn't either, but it's an actual English word that means an eager response. Eager response. I want to pastor, I wanted to come today because I can't wait to share in this collective experience and being with the Lord and give you food from the Word of God that we would all eat and we would all pasture together and we would grow together and we would be excited to know a new facet about the Lord Jesus Christ. 
Because if the shepherd's not excited about the Word of God, the people aren't going to be excited about the Word. And the same for you. When you go to work and you're shepherding someone, you've got to have a fresh word for people. You've got to stay in the Word of God. You've got to be fresh and hungry so that your neighbor gets a fresh word. We're shepherds. We're responsible to feed these people. So folks, it's not just the hired help pastor that's going to feed you and now you regurgitate my message to them. But you've got to have a passion for the Word. You've got to have a hunger to study the Word of God. And so we don't do it for any kind of gain, but we do it for the eager joy of feeding people the goodness of God's Word. I'll tell you, there's nothing like sharing an a a truth from God's Word and seeing it change people when they receive it. There's nothing like setting people free by the truth of God's Word. Nothing like telling someone about the love of Jesus and they get it. There's nothing like it. I eagerly pursue that all my life. I've always wanted to do that. And God has called me to pastor, but He called me to disciple. So early on I realized that in discipling, the the, the passion was to share this food of God with other people. And it wasn't a matter of how big my church was because discipling doesn't count numbers. Discipling cares for souls. So I am fulfilling my call if you all leave and I only have one person here. Because I'm a discipler. I I share this food with one, or it could be a hundred, it could be a thousand. That doesn't matter. You know, you can speak to 10,000 people and only three of them are getting it. Doesn't matter how many people are sitting in the pews. We've got churches filled with big, big rooms. But how many people are eating the Word of God? So that's important. Now, he goes on and he says this, to not be domineering over those in charge, but be examples. He says, lead, don't lord. That's the difference. You can yell at sheep. You can try to drive sheep and they'll scatter. You can't lord over sheep. You have to lead. And so they must follow you. So, so shepherding means you lead. This is the way you do it. This is the way you live your life. This is the way you speak. This is the attitude you have. This is the family you have. This is how you raise kids. This is how you do it. You're on display. Every one of you is on display. If you've confessed yourself as a Christian at work, you're on display. And what you're saying is, this is how you do it. This is how a Christian walks. This is how a Christian leads. This is how a Christian spends his time on his break. This is how a Christian spends his time at lunch. This is how a Christian goes home after work. This is how a Christian lives his life. That's us, folks. But something happens. Something happens between that calling and being eager to minister and lording over. Burnout. Leadership can burn you out. How many of you know that? Let me just give you some statistics. I'm not doing this so that anybody feels sorry for me, but I want you to have an understanding of the reality of the pastors that serve you in this church. H.B. London's book, Pastors at Great Risk, from Focus on the Family, gives you these 10 points as to why pastors quit too soon. Number one is discouragement. 
Leadership is very discouraging. 50% of pastors report feeling so discouraged that they would leave the ministry if they could. Many don't have another job to go to, so many of them stay and hang it out, but they're very discouraged because regularly you're criticized. Number two, failure. 70% of pastors say that they have a lower self-image now that they get started in ministry. For every 4,000 new churches that begin, 7,000 close. It's discouraging. And they feel failure. We rate the performance every week. How'd you like the sermon? What did you think of this? How did you like that? How did you think of this? Do you imagine if you rated mom's cooking every meal or your wife or your husband? Imagine eating that and saying, you know, I just didn't like it that well. You had me at the uh, steak, but the, poor, the, 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 the beans just lost me. But yet we, we, we critique as if this is a performance. Uh, there's a sense of failure quite often. Loneliness. 70% of pastors do not have someone to consider as a close friend. Imagine their wives, uh, what they feel. Moral failure, 33% of pastors confess having involved in inappropriate sexual behavior. Why? Because of one, two, three, and four. (laughs) It's no excuse. But what happens is they get worn down, turned down, and so forth. And so when someone shows them some special attention, watch out. Number five, financial pressure. 70% of pastors feel grossly underpaid. Six, anger. All you have to do is see the above first five and you'll see why there's anger. Constant criticism. 80% of pastors say they have insufficient time with their spouse. 80% believe that the pastoral ministry affects their families negatively. 94% feel under pressure to have the perfect family. No wonder they're angry. Seven, burnout. 90% of the pastors report working between 55 to 75 hours a week. Physical health, 75% of pastors report significant stress-related crisis at least once in their ministry. 1,500 pastors leave their ministry each month due to burnout, conflict, or moral failure. 1,500 a month. Marriage and family problems, 80% of pastors believe pastoral ministry has negatively affected their family. And 10, they're too busy and they're driven. 90% of pastors feel they're inadequately trained to cope with ministry demands. And again, this isn't taught in seminary. It's not taught in school how to pastor. What's taught in seminary and school is how to read and understand the Bible. There's not many courses in how to work with people and as a pastor. So it's, it's not easy being a leader. And, and all of this can fall on you as parents uh, over families or, or how to shepherd uh, Bible studies at work and so forth. You can disseminate this through however you want. And of course, you know how we rate the number one success of a pastor. How do you rate a pastor's success? What do you think is the first question pastors ask each other when they meet each other? How big is your church? That's the key to success. Did Jesus ever talk about that? No. Feed my sheep. Now, he does say this, that there is a reward. He says, and when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the unfading crown of glory. This thing won't fade. The work fades. The efforts fade. But God remembers all of it. And it is a Stephanos doxo. 
glorious reward, a crown, the, the run the race and finish the job. Just because a pastor quits the pulpit, just because a pastor quits the church, he's burned out, he can't do it anymore. Just because he quits, it doesn't mean his calling his pastor's over, but he may shepherd another group. He may shepherd another flock. But what's in him, he can't get out. And he may continue, he may work at a gas station, but he'll continue to shepherd people. So it's not the success of how long and how big. It's how faithful to the calling that we are. You don't have to be pastors over a church, but you are shepherds over a flock. Be faithful and God will reward you for that. And last of all, he says this, Likewise, you who are younger, be subject to the elders. Clothe yourselves, all of you, with humility toward one another. For God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. I remember Peter uh, having this experience when Jesus gave the example on how to lead in this kingdom. And it was the Last Supper. And at the Last Supper, Jesus brought up His tunic and wrapped it around Him and had a towel uh, ready to wash the feet of the disciples because He was shepherding them, showing them how He wanted them to feed the sheep, how He wanted them to lead. And who was the one who resisted? Peter. Do you remember that? And Jesus came with the pitcher of water and the, and the bowl and He came to wash Peter's feet and Peter said, I'll have none of that, Lord. You don't have to do that. And Jesus said, you know, the rulers and the Gentiles lorded over you and those in high positions use their authority over them. But it must not be this way among you. Instead, whoever wants to be great among you must be your servant. Whoever wants to be first among you must be your slave. Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give His life as a ransom to many. I must do this, Jesus said. And Peter said, then wash me all over. <laughs> he said, no, your feet's fine, Pete. That's good enough. You've already been washed. We just need to wash your feet. And so he set this example, and as Peter is saying, how will the church sustain itself in a hostile environment? That's what the book of Peter is about. How is the church going to remain sustainable? It has to have strong leadership. It has to have servant leadership. It has to have leadership that's not burned out, not frustrated, not wanting to quit, but in fact is refreshed and excited to feed the people the Word of God. And it has to have a people who are willing to be humble, to listen and to walk together and follow the leadership. But most of all, for everyone involved, we must humble ourselves and serve one another. This is how the church will remain strong in this hour and in this day. And that's the message that Peter gives to the church. Let's bow our heads.